Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the What's Next podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Bova, and I'm really excited about this conversation today. It's with two brilliant women. The first, Christiana Smith. She is the former president of Nike's Consumer Direct Division, where she led the company's global retail and e-commerce business. Before that, she was a senior partner at McKinsey. Christiana has been named one of the most influential corporate directors by Women, Inc. She currently leads Lovejoy Advisors, which is focused on digitally transforming consumer and retail businesses. She's joined by Grace Puma, who is the former executive vice president and COO of PepsiCo, and before that held senior positions with United Airlines, Kraft Foods, Motorola, and Gillette. A board member of both Organon and Company and Target, she has been ranked on the most powerful Latina list by Fortune magazine and recognized as the executive of the year by Latina Style magazine. But they're here to talk about their new book, Career Forward, which shows how to prioritize a career path, build professional value, and enjoy a full life, both in and out of the workplace. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. And I just have to say, you know, it's just so terrible that you're both such underachievers. I mean, really. (laughs) I know. What have we done with our lives, Tiffany? (laughs) Oh my God. I read this and I'm like, I fumbled through it because it's just like, oh, whatever. You know, like you ladies have been up to a little something, something. Anyway. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's really an honor and a pleasure. But before we get into your amazing book, you know the drill. We got to get into bullish and bearish. So (laughs) are you ladies ready? Ready. All right. The first one, bullish or bearish, flying taxis. Bullish. Bullish. Absolutely. I wouldn't have thought that. If it can get me there faster, I'm in it. I'm in it. (laughs) All right. Next up, a board meeting at an underwater hotel. Bearish, bearish beyond even. My nightmare is to be 10,000 leagues under the sea. Oh, never. Bearish for sure. Okay. All right. The third one, the third one, having AI on your board of directors. Bullish. Bearish. (gasps) Well, disagreement between friends. I know. (laughs) I love that. Well, I'm going to start. Let's just do that. Let's unpack that one really quick. All right. Grace, you are bullish. I think it's inevitable. um, And I think it can add more value in the long term if controlled or used appropriately. All right. Christiana, bearish. I'd like AI to work for the board of directors and support the board of directors, but I don't see AI sitting at the table with the director. I get that. You know, I think that would be funky. (laughs) (laughs) You know, directors, we have DNO insurance for a reason, right? We are accountable and we have fiduciary responsibility. Like, are you going to sue an AI if they make, you know, a poor decision? So I feel like accountability is probably my biggest reason for being bearish. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, listen, I think I, I like the combo of them both, right? I do believe having it kind of in your pocket and being another set of, if you will, eyes and ears, right? And and also looking for patterns that humans would miss in just the massive amounts of data. Yeah. Yeah. But, do, but do I think it needs to be, you know, a lead point, right? Or the de facto decision maker, you know, I, I do think it's the decision. Yeah. Between the two. All right. Well, let's, let's get, let's get into your book. First, um, career forward is such a, a great title. 
because I think forward momentum is what everybody strives to do. But I think careers don't just move forward. <laughs> In a perfect world, they would. They do not. So let's start there. Let's start with just the term career forward, if you wouldn't mind. I think it came from the notion that we use many times as a metaphor in the book of career as a journey. And it's a journey where you need to stay in the driver's seat because if you're not in the driver's seat of your own career, who is? And so we, we want to talk about how you can keep your career moving forward, recognizing that there will be twists and turns, that there'll be off-roads, there'll be on-ramps. You, you're not going to be able to take a straight line from here to, you know, CEO, but if you take a career forward sort of mindset, you're always moving yourself to a goal and you own that goal and you own the choices that you make to move yourself toward it. It's also really, when we talk about forward direction, we're talking strategic, being strategic as core in the book on career forward. You know, how do you think about where you want to go and how you're going to get there? But also that means in choosing a lot of different opportunities, understanding capabilities. So there's, it's a whole unpacking of, being strategic and being planful as you move through your career. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you, you talk about um, one of these terms, which I, I'm going to completely borrow from you is sort of think of yourself as a growth stock. <laughs> yes. It, it kind of is in this career forward momentum, right? Because a growth stock in, in a perfect world, right? You're like, it's a growth stock. It's going to grow at this. And we know that it doesn't grow at that, right? It may have dips, it may be in really hyper growth one year. It may be flat another year, but over its totality of the lifetime, if you make a 30 year investment in quote unquote, a growth stock, it over time should grow. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think when you think about a growth stock, it's a, it's a mindset. Um, we like the analogy because you can apply it to yourself, but taking it back to a growth stock, I mean, they're expected to grow at a faster rate than its competition because there's investments, because there's strategic planning, because there's thoughtful cultivation of next generation capabilities. And our offer is you can do the same thing as an individual in your career. I mean, if you think about it, you ought to be investing in yourself the same way that you would invest in an equity that you think is going to perform, right? And we talk about this later when we talk about professional equity. If you are performing, if you are doing well in your job, Others will invest in you too, right? That's where mentors and sponsors and, you know, future opportunities, that's where they come from, right? That's a form of investment too. So this idea of thinking of yourself as a growth stock is both how you continue to invest in your own development and how your performance encourages others to invest in you too. And you use this, uh, this concept of like a career GPS, you know, as far as, so, you know, you might go to an advisor, right, for your stock portfolio or a growth stock, right? Or you have something that's projecting. If you do this, you get that. If you do this, and this might be how you do it. And, and I'm going to make this assumption that the career GPS is a similar philosophy behind it. It is. And it recognizes that there are multiple ways to get to a destination. The destination we call your cardinal direction. So that's over time shaping your desired career goal, right? Where you want to go with your career. And we say shaping it over time because we know it'll change. Neither of us were born, you know, out of the womb wanting to be the president of a division or something like that. We all know that's not how it works, but we had goals, right? And we evolved those goals over time. Well, with the GPS, you get in the car, you set your, your destination, 
but there might be an accident on the way. Traffic might have slowed down. You might find that you need to stop and get gas. You're going to adjust your specific route based on conditions and what's happening. Same thing in your career. Your your life's going to change. Your responsibilities change. Your age. All these things happen. But if you've got a destination in mind, you'll keep your career moving toward that by the choices that you make. And do you think that that GPS should be you know, you get in your car to your point, right? And you're driving along, you put in your destination. So your destination may be, look, in two years or in three years, I want to be a manager, right? Or I want to have more responsibility or I want to, whatever, whatever the I want to is. And along the way, to your point, traffic shows up or maybe there's an M&A, right? Or your boss leaves or something happens, right? That kind of disrupts your your road, right? The, the map that you had put in place. How often do you refresh that? Or how often do you review it? And do you say, let me take a look at my destination. And has anything changed on the road along the way? How often? Yeah, I, I think that differs per person and what's going on in your circumstances. But I would describe it as, you know, it's a consistent evaluation. It's self-awareness of the conditions and your aspirations. Like Christiana said, you know, sometimes you go through different stages of life and those are natural points to evaluate your GPS where you might have more personal demands or more professional aspirations or your business environment might change. And those are where you can adjust your GPS and make sure that it's in the right track. I also think we talk a lot about, you know, avoiding complacency. If you don't have a GPS, you often can be looking at your current circumstances. It's fine. It's good. But you're burning daylight in your career to be able to achieve the journey that you really want to be on. So self-awareness is at the key of, you know, having a GPS and setting a GPS and flexing when things, you know, when there's turns in the road. I also think to make sure that you're staying on track toward your goal as well as to revisit what that goal is. We talk about just mechanically saying once a year, do a self-assessment, time it around your year-end review, right? We all get performance reviews. And typically the performance review is your boss telling you how you're doing. You need to own that too for your own self and say, hey, how am I progressing against my own career goals? And we, we have a tool in the book that we call SOAR, which is just a real simple four-box matrix, which is to once a year take stock of your strengths, how am I building those capabilities that I need to get to where I want to go, right? Your opportunities, which is in the next year, what do I see as some potential options that I could pursue? It could be courses that you want to take online. It could be training your company offers. It could be a project that you know is coming that you want to put your hand up to, to lead. The A stands for activities. So what are actions? What are the specific things you're committing to yourself that you're going to do over the next year to advance yourself to the goals? And then the R, importantly, is risks. Just, hey, let's not be Pollyanna about this. Where are the red flags? If, if you're in a company that's been bought, there's clearly risks about whether we're all going to make it through the new structure, whether we're going to connect culturally with the new leadership or the new owner. Whatever your situation is, there's always some risks. And if you at least spend a minute thinking about those, you're better prepared over the course of the year, again, to navigate your route toward them. And, you know, just for me personally, like I would do a vision board. Sort of where that was kind of my mm -hmm. Thomas guide for those of you old enough to remember pre GPS, <laughs> there was a Thomas guide. 
and I would sort of do the vision board and I'd be like, you know, where am I trying to go? What, you know, some of it's long-term, some of it was short-term, some of it was personal, some of it was professional. Most of it was professional because I felt like if I thought about it, I could manifest it. I would be always top of mind of where I was trying to go. Cause if you know where you're trying to go, you can kind of come up with a plan, right? It, it kind of allowed me to, to figure out where I'm trying to get to, but what it left out and I had to learn on my own and, and you call it out as well is this kind of self-awareness of it's not just about kind of where you're going, but what skills do I have now? And, and also what, what strengths and weaknesses do I have and how do other people perceive me? Because that has impact on your ability to, you may be the, your own bump in your own road, <laughs> but if you're not aware that's the case, like, what do you do? So self-awareness is a big part of this. How, how did I, both of you, right? Because you're both high performers. You both were very senior leaders in very large organizations. I'm going to guess you had to become very self-aware. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk about is your own self-awareness about yourself, but also, and we have a chapter we call steer into the skid, which is being aware of your environment. When your environment changes, um, you know, it's like, and the reason we use that title is it's like driving on a road that suddenly your road conditions change and it gets icy. And, you know, you're at the steering wheel. So self-awareness when environments are changing, it might be as you said, you know, a new boss or a merger or an economic downturn or, you know, a number of things that can affect you, your career to be moving sideways, if you would. And if that happens, how do you continue to steer into the skid and have self-awareness and gain control so that you can start actioning um, and assessing the situation and getting your, your car back on the road or smoothly heading towards your GPS, your end direction? And that is part of no matter where you are, no matter what industry you're in or what job you're in, is part of life and part of a long career. And so I think that's a tool that we encourage people to cultivate. And we talk about a number of tools in the book that can help people navigate through those volatile changes in the world. Well, and Tiffany, you you were asking how we develop that self-awareness. I think we talk about two ways of let's call it becoming aware, both self-aware, but also externally aware. One is doing these kind of assessments of yourself, right? And honestly, like you just said, taking stock of where you're at every year and how you're progressing, right? What are my skills? What's different about me? What's unique, et cetera. We also talk about though, getting a cadre of people around you who will tell you the straight scoop, right? Because, you know, feedback, love it or hate it is essential, to developing as a professional, no matter what your field is, you're never going to be 100% aware of what's happening unless you have people around you, you trust that you can go to and ask them, how am I doing? How was I in that meeting? Did my message come across, et cetera? And so we talk about making sure that you've got a group of people around you, not just mentors or bosses or supporters, but peers, people on your team that work for you can give you some of the straightest scoop if you're willing to ask for it. And I think we got to all acknowledge as self-aware as we might be as fully developed humans, we're going to miss things. Everybody's got blind spots. Everybody has, you know, something they're not as aware of. And if you can get a good group of trusted people who will tell you how things are going when you need to know, you're probably going to stay on that path like Grace was just talking about and avoid some of those skids a lot more consistently. 
Well, I can say even for myself, when I became a first-time manager, it was probably a good five years between becoming a first-time manager and actually having somebody tell me and share with me how to be a manager. (laughs) It was like, let me suck all the way for the first five years and like do everything wrong I could possibly do. Yeah. Grace and I filled career forward with our own stories because we figured we've got to be honest and reflect for, for the people that are reading the book how we figured some of this stuff out. And of course you figure it out a lot of the time by getting it wrong and then kind of pulling yourself back on track. And, you know, for me, I was a new manager in a, in a management consulting firm. And I am always grateful that I was lucky enough to have as my first team, two guys that were only a year behind me. So they were not particularly intimidated by me and they were not newbies. Right. And they told me a couple weeks into the project that we were doing together, that I was driving them crazy. And it was because I was like looking over their shoulder constantly because as a new manager, I wasn't doing the work and I was trying to figure out how I knew the work was good if I wasn't the one doing it. Right. And that's a pretty important transition to make as a, as a leader. And they told me that the way I was doing it was not good. And that they suggested and advised me other more constructive ways I could kind of sanity check what was going on and, and get a pulse check on where they were on the work without literally standing behind them all the time saying, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? That's the kind of feedback that keeps you developing and growing without losing, you know, two years, three years, four years as a manager that you could have been pushing yourself to be a lot better. Yeah. And I often say that if I could go back and be that first time manager or even a manager now, cause I haven't been a people manager in some time, I would hope I'd be a better manager, like, because I'm far more self-aware, right? And I also have conversations like this with you, right? And so you, you have these conversations and you start to learn, oh, I should have, I could have, I, you know, asking those questions that are scary and you're, you're not sure of yourself and you don't want negative feedback. It's, you have to figure out how to respond to it. But I think part of this is also another part of your book is I was totally faking it till I made it. Like I was just, how do I fake it till I make it as a manager until somebody figures out, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know, Grace, if you've got any thoughts there around that fake it till you make it. You know, I think we all get into jobs and you have to expect to get into jobs when you don't know everything, especially when you get into a job, right? So, you know, the fake it till the make it isn't, is a healthy thing if you're really sit back and say, I'm confident that I have learning ability. I'm going to learn this like I've learned other jobs. I'm going to take the time to lean on other people who have knowledge and really get comfortable with knowing that you're going to figure it out, okay? Because everybody does. And so when you get into these roles, you you basically calm yourself and stay confident to the fact that you're going to learn what you need to learn. And, you know, that's okay. And if you get up in the mirror and you look at yourself and you have to say, you know what, I got this today. And I'm here for a reason. I'm going to learn what I need to do and I'm going to contribute. It builds you the confidence to actually, you know, get over that, that immediate feeling. Um, So we feel that, you know, a lot of this is about the empowerment of how to tackle those moments and how to realize that as human beings, you might have that minute of self-doubt, but you know, you'll figure it out. And if you don't know the answer, ask ask other people. We all did. I mean, and you know, it's true no matter what field you're in, there are, you know, you don't, you're not hatched knowing everything and you will not ever know any, everything. So you might be cer- really good at certain things, but you're going to lean on other people to have other pockets of expertise and you're going to collectively be able to grow yourself and others by doing it. So, 
that's actually the fun part of, of um, getting into new areas and expanding your role. Well, you just said something important. If you don't know, ask. Yeah. We definitely encourage that. Ask. Ask for feedback. Ask for input. Ask for suggestions. Because fake it till you make it is a positive mindset, in our opinion, if while you're faking it, you're committed to learning how to do it right, learning how to do it better. If faking it till you make it means you're just treading water until somehow magically you figure it out, we say no, right? Because it's actually the ball is in your court, the burden's on you to invest then to go figure out how to do whatever it is you've now been asked to do. And sometimes that means asking other people for help. Absolutely. And I'm going to I'm going to pivot just a little bit because I, I, and I don't know the answer to this question because I don't think uh, it was covered in the book, but it might have been. But did you two ever work together before the book? Nope. Okay. So I'm going to ask this question. Oh, we were on a board together. That's we were on a board. Oh, before the book. We, were, yeah. we met on a board. We did not okay. work in a company together. Okay. All right. So, all right. So I'm going to do the, I don't know the answer to the question. So hopefully this goes well. <laughs> So uh, the question would be, because you both were such high performers at very large organizations, was the paths when you were working on the book and you said, we want to actually use stories to tell how we did it, were the paths fairly similar? Because, you know, what I often hear is it's like, look, it may be a different company or a different size organization, or you may be a different age, but the net net of it is it's pretty similar. Yeah, it's interesting. Um I think that it's actually uh, the opposite, but let me clarify. Okay. One of the things okay. that makes this book so interesting is that, um, and this is how we started to talk about the book, is that we got to different places in our organizations by different paths. And Christiana will talk about it, you know, having been in the consulting world and then going into the corporate world where I went through a number of different industries, a number of different corporate routes in scope. Where we got and the routes that we took are different. What we did find is that we had a lot of commonality. This book originally came to be by us talking about our adult um, children who are millennials and in their own stride right now and how we wanted to share the learnings that we had that are completely applicable today. So that's why it's so rich. We bring different stories, but it was there was a lot of commonality in how we thought about lessons learned, techniques empowerment. It was meant to be a book that's really about setting your journey strategically and achieving the best you can be. So that kind of stuff was very principled and common. Yeah. When we first started kicking around the idea of writing a book about building a successful career, it was Grace's suggestion. We each wrote down 10 pieces of advice that we would give or have given to people coming up behind us. And then we compared our lists. We just literally, this was during the pandemic. So we emailed each other our lists and more than half of them were the same pieces of advice. And that's when we started to realize maybe this isn't about the path that you take. It's about the mindset and the approaches that you're taking to your career path. Because on paper, we couldn't look more different. And I, when I first met Grace, I was like, yeah, she had a very different career than me. And then I find out that she you know, believed in and had taken away some of the exact same lessons I had. And that's what made us think, hey, there's something here that a lot of people could benefit from. And I know that the sort of subtitle, if you will, is strategies from women who've made it career forward, right? Is this is not just a book for women. No, it's not. It's super applicable to men. It's applicable to 
uh, people in completely different industries, not just the corporate world, you know, whether it's the medical field or academics. Um, these are these are strategies that can be applied to achieve a strategic career, no matter where you sit. Well, and our editor at our publisher, which is Scribner, is a man. And he went to bat for this book, you know, at the editorial review meetings like they do, because he told us he identified with so much of the feedback that earlier in his career, he could relate to the situations we were talking about. And that was definitely validation to us that, well, we're going to aim it at women because you've got to have a target, right? And we know what it's like to come up as a woman in the professional world. We're going to aim there, but we fully understand that there's a much broader halo in terms of who might find this helpful. Are there things that you think of the common five, if you will, right? If there were 10 on the list and more than, you know, kind of half were very similar. Do you think there's any differences between what advice you would give if, if there was a, you know, a first time male leader or first time female leader or even, you know, a leader who didn't identify as either, right? Because I'm just saying just, you know, somebody, right, who... Would you change the advice in any way? I don't think we would, but I would say, think about that it's written in a way that you can apply your nuances to it. So for example, we didn't, haven't talked about, you know, our 360 life, which is very different. You know, we don't buy into the work-life balance. We think it's outdated. And that theory, and quite frankly, nobody's ever achieved it, and everybody's still talking about it for you know, generations. But we do believe when people think about a 360 degree life, a life which is very intentional, you can actually create your own give and takes and you can prioritize the balance and look at your life as an integrated solution, one that you're feeling satisfied in totality. Christiana, why don't you talk a little bit about our intentionality wheel? That's kind of a good vision. <laughs> you, you think about like Wheel of Fortune or something where you spin a wheel and something lands up at the top. The way we talk about your life at work and at home is you have a lot of facets of yourself and your life that you're actually trying to satisfy and that you want to have be fulfilling and inspiring. It may be other passions you have, like being creative. You, you may not have a creative job, but have a creative heart and want to do something, you know, and have time for that. You may have family, you know, responsibilities. A lot of us do. You may have health challenges, whatever it is. We've all got our stuff. And I think what we learned in the pandemic is it's okay to make some of that more visible to your coworkers and your colleagues. And it's okay to say, hey, at this point I spun the wheel and right now I got to give more time and attention here, right? So an example would be for me, when my son was in high school, I had been a senior partner at McKinsey at that point for, I don't know, eight years, 10 years, something like that. And I realized that at that point, he was going to be in a lot of interesting situations with teenage boys. He was going to be hanging out at other friends' houses if I wasn't the parent at home. He was going to have to think about college and what he was doing after high school. And I did not want to be traveling at the same rate that I was as a client-serving professional. And so I went, quote-unquote, off track. And I took an, a more administrative role at my consulting firm for three years to get my kid through the back end of high school. And then I went right back on the client-serving track. And it just reminded me that you can make these kind of trade-offs because you're saying, hey, I got to be happy at home and I got to be happy at work. This is not a question of at any point in time, I'm going to be miserable here so that I can go do something else there. We don't, we just don't buy into that. I couldn't agree more. 
and and with that, I mean, like I could just keep going and going. I, I think the 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 advice I would give for those of you listening is go pick up your copy of Career Forward. Give it to all of your friends. Give it to your managers. Give it to those that you're a mentor, mentee, whatever. I think it is a fantastic, fresh approach to the questions everybody has. If you're trying to advance your career forward and whatever that looks like in whatever industry, not-for-profit, profit, healthcare, hospitality, retail, whatever it is. Like if you have a career, that's important. And, and uh, you know, I, I think you, you said, you know, one thing that to really look at it as a career and, and not a job. And I think that starts to shift um, the mindset a little bit. So thank you both for, for joining me, Grace and Christiana, for joining me on the What's Next podcast. What final words would you like to leave for our listeners of how they can keep track of you know, everything um, that you are going to continue to do? I would say come visit careerforwardbook.com. That's the website where we can, first of all, tell you about the book and about ourselves. Um, we can tell you where we're going to be speaking because um, we've been asked and, and we're happy to share this in, in conversations with groups all over the U.S. and all over Canada. And so if you want to keep, keep current on what's happening and how we're connecting with people and what we're sharing, go to careerforwardbook.com and we'll let you know. Amazing. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Congratulations on writing such a fantastic book. I am just honored that you uh, chose to share your time with me uh, during this busy launch time. So thank you for joining me on the What's Next podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Bova. Please leave us a review, tell your friends, subscribe, and thank you for joining us here today.